There was a knock one morning, a man was standing at my door. He said, hello, I'm from Halliburton, have you heard of us before? We'd like to lease your backyard to drill for natural gas. It's called hydraulic fracturing, and it is the very past for a clean energy future above the Marcellus Stone. Plus, we'll give you lots of money and a new mobile phone. I said, you are a corporate crook. I don't believe the things you tell, and you can drive right off my property and then go straight to hell. No fracking way. No fracking way, I don't trust corporate salesmen, whatever they may say. No fracking way, no fracking way, no fracking way. No fracking way, no fracking way. And that was an excerpt of David Rovick's singing No Fracking Way. You can find that entire song on the album Big Red Sessions. Welcome to Frack You Very Much, a fracking terrible podcast. You can check out all the back episodes of Frack You Very Much at frackyouverymuch.com. There you'll find a link to send me a message. You'll also find some links there to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. This is a reading of the compendium. This is the 14th reading of the compendium. The compendium is the compendium of scientific, medical, and media findings demonstrating risks and harms of fracking, unconventional gas and oil extraction, 6th edition, June 2019. The compendium is compiled by concerned health professionals of New York and physicians, physicians, for social responsibility. The compendium is heavily, heavily footnoted, several footnotes on a page in many cases. So if you hear anything here and you want to find the original source, uh, check out the compendium for the additional detail. We're starting where we left off. We're on page 263, threats from fracking infrastructure. The infrastructure for drilling and fracking operations is complex, widespread, and poses its own risks to public health and the climate. Beginning where silica sand is mined and processed, and ending where gas is burned or liquefied for export, infrastructure includes pipelines, compressor stations, dehydrators, processing plants, flare stacks, gas-fired power plants, and storage depots, through which oil or gas is moved, filtered, pressurized, warehoused, refined, and vented. It also includes injection wells and recycling facilities that dispose and treat the prodigious amounts of liquid waste that fracking generates. Air pollution is produced at every stage of the process. Note, harm from flare stacks is included in air pollution and is not taken up in the subsections that follow. Sand mining and processing. In the upper Midwest, the boom in silica sand mining threatens both air and water quality. It has transformed rural areas into industrialized zones and introduced complex public health risks that are not well understood. 
Silica dust is a well-known cause of both lung cancer and silicosis. Precise exposures to downwind communities remain uncertain. Until recently, the center of frack sand mining was western Wisconsin. However, sand mines in the Permian Basin of West Texas now provide one quarter of the total U.S. supply of frack sand. Texas sand is considered inferior to Wisconsin sand, which is crush-resistant and ideally shaped to prop open fractures to allow oil and gas to flow up the borehole. However, Texas sand is up to 50% cheaper as it does not incur the cost of rail transport to reach the booming Permian Basin oil wells. March 7, 2019 The Minnesota Supreme Court announced that it would hear oral arguments on the legality of Winona County's ban on the mining of silica sand for use in fracking operations. A Winona County judge as well as a Minnesota Court of Appeals sided against Minnesota Sands LLC and ruled in favor of the county legislature. The ban prohibits mining sand for industrial purposes but allows mining for construction purposes. The county has argued that it is within its rights to protect the health of its citizens. Its original ordinance, passed on November 22, 2016, was the first county-wide ban in the nation on the extraction of silica sand for use in drilling and fracking operations. It became the subject of a lawsuit by Minnesota Sands on the grounds that the ordinance violates the Federal Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution. December 27, 2018 Wisconsin's frack sand mining industry had a volatile year in 2018. Mines that had closed in 2016 due to market downturns reopened on news of increased drilling activity. However, later in the year, the price for sand dropped dramatically as sand mines opened in Texas to serve fracking operations in the nearby Permian Basin. Wisconsin sand companies then closed mines again, with one company laying off 37 employees. July 17, 2018 As part of an industry-funded study, a research team retrospectively assessed the silica dust exposure among workers in the, in the industrial sand industry, which includes sand used for fracking. Workers who went on to develop silicosis had significantly more exposure to silica dust than those who did not. Results showed decreases in exposure throughout the industry over time, driven in part by the establishment of workplace regulations in the 1970s that helped accelerate silica dust, silica dust control programs. Adjustment for use of respiratory protection showed only modest reductions in estimated exposures. May 11, 2018 the dunes sagebrush lizard in western Texas is imperiled because of booming demand for frack sand. Quote, It's really a new threat, and it just sort of came in all at once and really has the potential to wipe out a lot of lizard habitat, if not controlled, said a petition to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that urged the agency to add the dunes sagebrush lizard to the endangered species list. Sand mines in the Permian basis of West Texas now provide one quarter of the total U.S. supply of frack sand. 
Texas sand is up to 50% cheaper than Wisconsin sand, as it does not incur the cost of rail transport to reach the booming Permian Basin oil wells. Although it is considered inferior to Wisconsin sand, which is crush-resistant and ideally shaped to prop open fractures to allow oil and gas to flow up the borehole. August 7, 2017 A University of Iowa team evaluated the impact of frac sand mining and processing on the concentration of particulate matter in the air of surrounding communities. Sampling in 17 homes located within 800 meters from sand mining activities, the team found that overall particulate matter and silica concentrations were lower than regulations and guidelines established to prevent silicosis, but spiked when winds blew over the facility. They concluded that the particulate matter levels from fracking, sand mining, and processing were, quote, unlikely to cause chronic adverse health conditions. Sampling for this study, which took place in 2014, did not consider the impact of living near multiple adjacent frac sand operations. The industry in western Wisconsin has expanded considerably since that time. November 25, 2017 In Minnesota, a district judge upheld Winona County's ban on the mining, processing, and loading of frac sand. In her decision, the judge referenced public health and safety threats, fragility of the water quality in the area, and evidence for harm from sand mines in other areas. Winona is the first county in the United States to pass a countywide ban on frac sand extraction. Efforts to replicate the ban are now ongoing in neighboring counties. July 5, 2016 the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources DNR, released a strategic analysis for public review of the state's industrial sand mining industry that downplayed environmental health effects from air pollution. There are 128 industrial sand mine facilities in Wisconsin, including the mines themselves and processing and rail loading facilities. The DNR identified airborne particulate matter as a primary concern for industrial sand mining facilities and said that air quality monitors in western Wisconsin have not detected a problem. Researchers, organizations, and the native community involved in monitoring impacts of the frac sand industry challenged these findings, pointing to lack of data collection on the most dangerous kind of particulate matter called PM2.5 which represents fine particles that are less than 2.5 microns in width. These critics noted that the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, had previously expressed concerns about the DNR's approach to regulating PM2.5. Regarding groundwater, the report described elevated levels of several metals in wastewater holding ponds at the sand mines, presenting a risk to groundwater quality. March 25, 2016. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, amended its existing standards for occupational exposure to respirable crystalline silica. Quote, Having determined that employees exposed to respirable, respirable crystalline silica at the previous permissible exposure limits face a significant risk of material impairment to their health. Key provisions include the reduction of the permissible exposure limit to 50 micrograms per cubic meter of air, 
averaged over an eight-hour shift. The standards cover many industries, with some having two years to comply. The hydraulic fracturing industry is allowed an additional five-year extension for engineering controls until June 23, 2021. The New York Times reported that safety experts have advocated for a tightening of silica exposure standards for the past 40 years, but the, quote, progress was stymied for decades by resistance from affected companies and regulatory inaction. The article reported that many oil and gas companies in particular were not meeting the current silica exposure standard. The new rules, when fully in effect, are estimated to save 600 lives and prevent 900 new cases of silicosis per year. March 1, 2016 University of Wisconsin anthropologist Thomas Pearson conducted in-depth interviews examining the impact of frac sand mining on sense of community, quality of life, and place in nearby residents. His findings indicated that the sudden influx of this heavy extractive industry has eroded residents' sense of place and belonging, and that these experiences are rarely taken into account by policymakers. Residents report significant anxiety and stress from truck traffic, noise, light pollution, and uncertainty about environmental health impacts, and distress caused by drastic changes to long-familiar landscapes over which they have no control. Pearson concluded that policymakers should pay closer attention to the uneven distribution of benefits and costs, and, quote, recognize that the costs go beyond quantifiable economic or environmental impacts. January 29, 2016. The Institute for Wisconsin's Health, Incorporated released its Health Impact Assessment, HIA, on frac sand mining operations in western Wisconsin, prepared with the participation of 15 local and tribal health departments. According to the report, the HIA was a collaborative effort. The scope of the report was limited to the potential for community-level health effects of industrial sand mining in western Wisconsin. Regarding air quality, the report concluded that health effects from the impact of industrial sand mining on community-level air quality related to particulate matter are unlikely, and that it was also unlikely that community members would be exposed to respirable crystalline silica from industrial sand mining as currently regulated. Regarding water quality, the report concluded that contamination is possible. However, health effects were unlikely. Quality of life effects were likely, but variable. Though it was a, quote, level one partner for the report, the Ho-Chunk Nation responded to the HIA with criticism, writing, quote, We are disappointed with the conclusions drawn in the report, particularly in the section on air quality impacts, and we believe a more robust assessment of the air quality impacts is required before such conclusions can be drawn. They wrote that the HIA failed to provide an accurate and complete analysis of the health threats posed by this industry because of the limited scope and, quote, minimal discussion about fine particulate matter, or PM2.5, which likely presents the biggest threat from industrial sand mining operations. As reported by Rochester, Minnesota Post Bulletin, Crispin Pierce, director of the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire's Environmental Public Health Program, Quote, 
believes the study ignored important air quality data collected by university students at sand mining sites at Bloomer, New Auburn, and Augusta during the past 18 months, which he described as, quote, the only work that looked at these fine particles. November 6, 2015. According to findings from a pilot study led by Crispin Pierce, levels of fine particulate matter, PM2.5, are not being adequately measured near frac sand operations. Air monitors set up by Pierce and his team consistently showed higher readings than detections measured by Wisconsin DNR. In some instances, PM2.5 levels exceeded the EPA guideline of 12 micrograms per cubic meter of air. In accompanying news story, Pierce noted that the state's air quality data largely comes from industry itself. Quote, The DNR so far has continued to shy away from doing their own monitoring, he said. The monitoring I've seen so far is inadequate. People aren't looking at PM2.5, and they really should be, from unbiased sources. October 15, 2015 Inside Climate News reported on the response of nearby communities to the bust cycle of the frac sand industry in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Reactions reportedly included ongoing concerns that the industry does not provide permanent economic prosperity. Municipalities and community organizations are using the lull to advance protections in advance of a possible upturn. Quote, Towns in the region are also trying to strengthen their local zoning ordinances, such as adding rules to limit industrial noise and light pollution. In other cases, communities are trying to oust pro-sand advocates from office. June 30, 2015 Because the amount of sand used per fracking well has increased, demand for silica sand by the oil and gas industry is still growing, even though new drilling activity has taken a downturn. A global investment bank reported that fracking operations now require an average of 4.2 million pounds of sand per well. A few years ago, silica sand comprised 9.5% of fracking fluid, but now is closer to 20%. Further rising intensity of sand use is expected. June 15, 2015 an investigative report by Energy Wire documented self-reported health impacts among residents of southwestern Wisconsin who live near silica sand mining operations that service the fracking industry. Exposure to silica dust is a proven cause of silicosis and lung cancer. Residents near frac sand mine operations reported exposure to dust pollution and respiratory problems. Air monitoring data from the Wisconsin DNR showed that none of the state's 63 active sand mines were in violation for particulate matter, but as the author noted, the state measured particles only 10 micrometers in diameter or larger. Below this diameter, crystalline silica particles are small enough to bypass the body's natural clearance mechanisms and are likely to lodge deep in the lungs where they can initiate scarring, autoimmune reactions, and tumor formation. Pipelines and Compressor Stations There are more than 300,000 miles of natural gas transmission pipelines in the United States. 
They are serviced every 40 to 100 miles by compressor stations that maintain the pressure of the gas flowing through them. Pump stations do the same for oil pipelines. Compressor stations and pipelines are significant sources of air pollutants, including benzene and formaldehyde, constituting potential health risks to those living nearby, while offering no economic benefits. Instead, they are associated with loss of tax revenue and economic development for the communities where they are sited and which they traverse. Pipelines and compressor stations vent methane into the atmosphere as a part of routine maintenance operations and represent a climate risk. They are also accident-prone. The Medical Society of the State of New York, the Massachusetts Medical Society, and the American Medical Association have each called for comprehensive health impact assessments regarding the health and safety risks associated with natural gas pipelines, which include fires, explosions, and leaks. March 4, 2019 e News investigated accidents involving gathering lines, which are small diameter pipelines that carry oil or gas from wellheads to processing facilities. Nationally, there are 450,000 miles of gathering lines. However, only high-pressure gathering lines in urban areas are regulated, and these represent only 18,000 miles of pipeline. The Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration has no rules for the rest nor do most states. Hence, it is not known how many fatalities have occurred due to explosions of gathering lines because no records are kept in rural areas. Rural gathering lines don't have to be marked, built to standards, or regularly inspected. Unlike for transmission lines, operators don't have to have emergency response plans for when they leak or explode. February 20, 2019. During a polar vortex on January 30, 2019, a compressor station at an underground gas storage depot in Macomb County, Michigan, was destroyed by an explosion after an equipment malfunction triggered emergency venting of gas. The extremely low temperatures prevented the methane plume from dispersing, and high winds pushed it along the ground until the gas encountered heat from another compressor station and exploded. The resulting gas shortage necessitated a statewide emergency call to residents and businesses to voluntarily turn down thermostats and reduce natural gas use. General Motors in Flint suspended operations for three days. January 1, 2019 As part of the planned Atlantic Bridge Pipeline project, which will ferry fracked natural gas from New Jersey through New England and into Canada, Calgary-based Enbridge Incorporated, formerly Spectra Energy, applied to site a 7,700-horsepower compressor station in Weymouth, Massachusetts, south of Boston. The Enbridge compressor station in Weymouth would maintain pipeline pressure needed to push the gas north to Maine and Canada. In 2016, the company offered the town $47 million to drop its opposition to the plan which would place the compressor station in a port area immediately adjacent to densely populated neighborhood, the highly utilized Four River Lift Bridge, a power plant, a sewage pumping station, 
and a gas metering station. Instead, residents and local political leaders rejected this offer and demanded a health impact assessment, HIA. Ordered by Governor Charlie Baker in July 2017 and released in January 2019, the study received considerable criticism from the public health community due to its deviation from standard HIA methodologies. The HIA showed that the Four River Basin already suffered from levels of benzene, formaldehyde, and other air toxics that exceeded state guidelines for these carcinogens, while concluding that adding another source of these same pollutants would have negligible impact on residents' health. Shortly thereafter, the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection issued an air quality permit for the compressor station. This decision and the HIA's conclusion on which it was based was immediately contested by independent public health researchers. In February 2019, Greater Boston Physicians for Social Responsibility issued their own report on the health risk of the Weymouth compressor that outlined their concerns about the safety and emergency response hazards associated with the proposed compressor and rejected the no health impact conclusion of the HIA. While the HIA acknowledged that the residents of the Four River Basin already experienced excess rates of lung disease, heart disease, and cancer. The GBPSR report argued that disproportionately health-burdened people, quote, require greater, not lesser, environmental safeguards. At this writing, the air quality permit, which was green-lighted by the HIA's findings, is under appeal before the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection. December 18, 2018. Quote, Given that many pipelines transport volatile, flammable, or toxic oil and liquids, and given the potential consequences of a successful physical or cyber attack, pipeline systems are attractive targets for terrorists, hackers, foreign nations, criminal groups, and others with malicious intent, according to a report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office that urged the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Transportation Security Administration to address weaknesses in its management of pipeline security. TSA oversees the physical security and cybersecurity of the more than 2.7 million miles of gas, oil, and hazardous liquid pipelines in the United States. December 14, 2018 The California Public Utilities Commission, CPUC, took action against Pacific Gas and Electric Company, PG&E, for what CPUC said are systemic violations of rules to prevent damage to natural gas pipelines during excavation activities. PG&E had been non-compliant with the law pertaining to the locating and marking of natural gas distribution pipelines, as well as related to requirements to inform construction personnel and private persons on the location of PG&E's underground pipes and other natural gas infrastructure in a timely and accurate manner. December 10, 2018 The Atlantic Coast Pipeline is a 600-mile project led by Dominion Energy that would extend from West Virginia to eastern North Carolina. Construction was halted when the U.S. Court of Appeals stayed a permit from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that it authorized building the pipeline in critical habitat 
for four endangered species. The Indiana bat, the rusty-patched bumblebee, the club-shell mussel, and a shrimp-like crustacean called the Madison Cave Isopod. November 15, 2018. An e News analysis of interstate pipeline enforcement found that interstate pipelines have caught fire or exploded 137 times since 2010. In 90% of those disasters, no fines were levied by PHMSA, the federal agency that directly regulates 350,000 miles of pipelines, more than 400 natural gas storage facilities, and 26 liquefied natural gas facilities. PHMSA's reluctance to levy fines is a direct result of federal pipeline laws, which were largely drafted after 1994 when deregulation was a federal priority. November 1, 2018 A Russian team used a cartographic model to assess the potential impact on health and environment of compressor station emissions during scheduled outages and repairs. They described a method of gas flow redistribution that would obviate the need for large-scale venting of methane into the atmosphere. October 11, 2018 Overpressurizing natural gas distribution system while replacing aging pipelines triggered 80 simultaneous natural gas explosions in Massachusetts' Merrimack Valley on September 13, 2018. One teenager was killed, 23 were injured, 130 buildings were destroyed or damaged, and thousands evacuated from communities in Lawrence, Andover, and North Andover. The explosions cost Columbia Gas more than $1 billion. Side note, I am originally from Andover, Massachusetts and still have family in the area who were impacted by this uh, problem with the overpressurization of the natural gas distribution system. September 10, 2018. A landslide triggered by four days of intense rain caused a pipeline explosion that burned down a house in Beaver County, Pennsylvania, and prompted evacuations. This pipeline built by Energy Transfer Partners, which merged with Sunoco in 2017, was part of the Mariner 2 East pipeline that is intended to carry the liquid hydrocarbon ethane to coastal ports where it will be exported for plastics manufacturing abroad. In western Pennsylvania, ethane co-occurs with methane in the shale bedrock and is released during fracking operations. August 10, 2018. A joint investigation by the Charleston Gazette Mail and ProPublica found that pipeline operators continue to break environmental rules and state and federal agencies continue to clear roadblocks to allow these projects to move forward despite serious unanswered questions. July 25, 2018. The Attorneys General of Six States Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Maryland, Illinois, Washington, and the District of Columbia submitted submitted comments to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, on how the Commission should revise its approach to certifying new gas transportation facilities. 
They recommended that the Commission assess need on a comprehensive regional basis, consider environmental harm, including climate impacts that consider the social costs of carbon, and more heavily weigh the harm of eminent domain. They urged better incorporation of state and local land use policies. And they recommended that the Commission no longer issue partial notices to proceed with construction when rehearing requests are pending. May 24, 2018 The Office of the Inspector General and the Department at the Department of Energy audited FERC's natural gas certification process. It found that FERC lacked a consistent process for tracking public comments on proposed pipeline projects, suggesting that all comments might not be reviewed. In the absence of a consistent methodology, we did not verify to what degree comments received by FERC were considered, aggregated, and reflected in the environmental documents or final orders for the certificate applications during our review. The report concluded. The lack of a consistent methodology could increase the risk that FERC may not address significant and impactful public comments in the environmental document or final order. May 16, 2018 A team of researchers in Alberta, Canada, investigated how noise from natural gas compressor stations and oil wells affected the behavior and communication of savanna sparrows. The results showed that alarm responses and feeding visits were impaired by noise-producing infrastructure. Savannah sparrows were less vigilant when provisioning nestlings and distracted from their reproductive tasks when in the vicinity of compressor stations. Quote, Our observation that savannah sparrows are less responsive to anti-predator signals in the vicinity of natural gas compressor stations is of conservation concern and adds to a growing body of evidence that noisy anthropogenic structures have the potential to negatively affect birds by interfering with acoustic communication. Previous research in the same region found that the savanna sparrow altered its song structure and song features when exposed to noise from oil and gas infrastructure, including compressor stations, and that these noise-altered songs were less effective at provoking responses from other birds. Similarly, researchers working in the San Juan Basin of New Mexico found that chronic noise from drilling and fracking operations, including compressor stations, affected levels of stress hormones in songbirds and masked critical acoustic cues in ways that decreased the bird's ability to survive and reproduce. April 26, 2018 Studies that investigate the health impacts of drilling and fracking activities typically incorporate the distance between participants' home addresses and the well pads and do not consider potential exposures to emissions from other ancillary pieces of infrastructure. A study led by John Hopkins University researchers working in Pennsylvania attempted to develop exposure metrics for air emissions from compressor stations, flare stacks, and impoundments. The research team identified 457 compressor stations in Pennsylvania and 1,419 compressor station engines. Data on compressor station engines were not available electronically, and only 361 stations could be confirmed as operational. 
The team found that compressor engines, impoundments, and flaring events are all potential sources of emissions related to drilling and fracking that have not previously been accounted for in epidemiological studies, quote, in part because data are not readily available. The value of including these additional sources of information on fracking, particularly in health studies, remains unknown. April 26, 2018 Pipelines are inspected and cleaned through a process called pigging, in which devices are placed inside and travel through the pipe. Pigs can be used to force water or air through a pipeline, check for obstructions, detect leaks, scrape debris from the pipe wall, prevent corrosion, or apply coatings. Pigging is necessary, necessarily accompanied by venting of hydrocarbon gases into the air, including methane. A federal settlement acknowledged that the use of the maintenance pigging technique is a major source of harmful emissions in pipeline systems carrying fracked gas extracted from shale that also contains other hydrocarbons, such as natural gas liquids. Quote, the settlement between the U.S. Department of Justice, Environmental Protection Agency, and Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection and two Mark West subsidiaries alleges the company failed to apply for or comply with air pollution permits. As a result, the company unlawfully vented hundreds of tons of natural gas and volatile organic compounds. October 12, 2017 Researchers at University of Albany's Institute for Health and the Environment prepared a 300-page technical report on the health effects of the emissions from 18 natural gas compressor stations in New York State. The team found that collectively these sites released 40 million pounds of 70 different contaminants over a seven-year period, making natural gas compressor stations the seventh largest point source of air pollution in the state. By volume, the largest emissions were nitrogen oxides, carbon monoxide, volatile organic compounds, formaldehyde, and particulate matter. Exposure to these chemicals is linked to cancer, as well as cardiovascular, neurological, and developmental disorders. The authors noted, quote, The potential health impacts of the large volumes of pollutants generated by natural gas compressor stations have not been addressed, let alone answered, by those arguing for their construction and expansion. October 11, 2017 A study of airborne methane emissions from assorted components of natural gas infrastructure in California, including compressor stations and storage facilities, confirmed earlier studies in finding widely variable leakages. The results suggested that a significant fraction of the methane emitted from storage facilities may, in fact, be escaping from their associated compressor stations. July 17, 2017 A comprehensive investigation of the pipeline approval process by the Center for Public Integrity, State Impact Pennsylvania, and National Public Radio found that FERC, which is charged with ensuring the public's interest routinely assesses need based on community on company filings, and functions as an agency captured by industry interests, concluding, quote, At every turn, the agency's process favors the pipeline companies. 
The result, according to this analysis of more than 500 pipeline cases, is that the financial interests of the gas industry and not market demand or public necessity is driving the ongoing pipeline build-out. In some cases, utility companies have complex financial ties to the pipeline companies that service them. Continuing this investigation, Inside Climate News then reviewed several large new pipeline proposals in the Marcellus and Utica shale regions, focusing on joint ventures in interlocking financial relationships between customers, state-regulated utilities, and suppliers, pipeline companies. Affiliate agreements that allow parent companies of utilities to seek federal certificates for interstate pipelines, which typically allow a 14% return on equity, contribute to the ongoing frenzy of pipeline construction, even when natural gas demand is flat. Existing pipelines, the investigation noted, run at only slightly more than half capacity. July 12, 2017 A Canadian study found that oil and gas infrastructure, including compressor stations, contributes to habit fragmentation and increases parasitism by cowbirds on savanna sparrow nests in the northern Great Plains. Populations of North America grassland songbirds, including the savanna sparrow, are declining precipitously, mostly due to habitat loss and degradation. These results suggest that brood brood parasitism associated with oil and natural gas infrastructure may result in additional pressures that reduce the productivity of this declining grassland songbird. May 16, 2017 An analysis of records from state agencies revealed that low-pressure flow lines at oil and gas well sites are responsible for more than 7,000 spills, leaks, and accidents since 2009. Flow lines carry oil, gas, or wastewater from scattered pieces of equipment within a production site. Other than New Mexico, operators are not required to report gas leaks from flow lines. A fatal explosion in April 2017 in a Firestone, Colorado home built on top of an oil field was triggered when an abandoned flow line seeped gas into a basement where it ignited. Two people were killed and one person was badly injured. Soon after, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper ordered a statewide review of all oil and gas lines located near occupied buildings. Preliminary data showed that 16,000 wells across Colorado have flow lines that lie within 1,000 feet of homes. Corrosion is a leading cause of flow line failures. February 15, 2017 A team of researchers from University of Texas investigated emissions from natural gas compressor stations throughout Pennsylvania and New York. They found that compressors emitted highly variable plumes of methane that spread downwind and were measurable a full mile away, at levels that could expose nearby residents, especially during temperature inversions. The researchers concluded, quote, Our data indicate that compressor stations are likely sources of methane emissions and presumably co-emitted air contaminants and can sporadically or episodically emit methane at relatively high levels. If such facilities are to be permitted to release specified amounts of contaminants, 
Those amounts should be actively measured and verified. Without measurement, there can be no assurance that permit conditions are being met. November 30, 2016. A City Lab investigation used data from the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration to map all significant U.S. pipeline accidents between 1986 and 2016 and concluded, quote, Wherever pipelines are extended, deadly accidents will follow. Pipeline accidents over the past 30 years have resulted in 548 deaths, more than 2,500 injuries, and over $8.5 billion in damages. Accidents are particularly common in Texas and Louisiana. July 5, 2016 The National Energy Board, Canada's pipeline watchdog, gave two of Canada's largest pipeline companies six months to fix severe deficiencies in pipelines, ultimately issuing an emergency safety order in February 2016. Newly released federal documents showed that Texas-based Kinder Morgan and Alberta-based Enbridge were both looking into the use of defective parts purchased from Thailand-based Canadoil Asia that recently went bankrupt. U.S. regulators warned of these deficiencies eight years prior. At least one Canadian pipeline with defective materials exploded during that period. June 10, 2016 EPA Region 2 submitted comments to FERC on docket numbers PF16, PFI6-3, Eastern System Upgrade Project, which includes new natural gas compressor stations in Hancock and Highland, New York. The EPA submission suggested an analysis of whether this project was needed, clarification of what is meant by a loop system, evaluation of alternatives, and a comprehensive analysis of cumulative indirect and secondary impacts, information on greenhouse gas emissions and climate change impacts, a health impact assessment, the inclusion of all pollution prevention practices, and a consideration of environmental justice concerns. The company agreed to provide funding towards a health study, but wished to retain the ability to determine the study parameters. Skeptical of the health study's funding and parameters, residents and potentially impacted towns objected to the company's dismissal of the town's laws, prohibiting the construction and operation of heavy industrial use facilities. The deputy supervisor of one of the affected towns, quote, said he was encouraged by the Federal Environmental Protection Agency's comments on the project's preliminary federal application. He said the EPA concerns were the same as ours. April 27, 2016. In its report on two natural gas pipeline expansion projects in Appalachia, the Institute for Energy Econo Economics and Financial Analysis demonstrated that the Atlantic Coast and Mountain Valley pipelines are, quote, emblematic of the risks that such expansion creates for ratepayers, investors, and landowners. The report concluded that pipelines out of the Marcellus and Utica regions are being overbuilt, putting ratepayers at risk of paying for excess capacity. Landowners at risk of losing their property to unnecessary projects and investors at risk of loss. The report stated that FERC facilitates this building of excess pipeline capacity and its approach for assessing need is insufficient.
April 22, 2016. The Federal Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, ATSDR, released a report on air quality near a natural gas compressor station in Brooklyn Township, Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, finding levels of fine particulate matter, PM2.5, at levels that can damage human health in those with long-term exposure. Evaluating data from an 18-day EPA field air monitoring event, the report found that the average ambient 24-hour PM2.5 concentration observed at one residence, 19 micrograms per cubic meter, was higher than the nearest regional national ambient air quality standards monitoring station, which was at 12.3 in Scranton, Pennsylvania, over the same period. ATSDR concluded that there was evidence that long-term exposure to PM2.5 at the levels found can cause an increase in mortality, respiratory problems, hospitalizations, preterm births, and low birth weight. The agency said that in the short term, exposure could be harmful to sensitive populations, such as those with respiratory problems or heart disease. The agency recommended that sensitive individuals monitor air quality and limit activity accordingly and that the Pennsylvania DEP work to reduce other sources of PM and its precursors. April 3, 2016 The Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project issued a technical report in response to the January 29, 2016 Federal ATSDR report on the Bridgich Compressor Station in Chartier Township, Washington County, Pennsylvania. ATSDR detected chemicals that had been reported at gas sites previously, and this confirmation of their presence provided, quote, an important acknowledgement that neighbors of such facilities are being exposed, often at very close range, to chemicals that bring with them the possibility of short and long-term health effects. The report stated that in conjunction with the monitoring work of the EPA, ATSDR, quote, provided a solid set of data. However, due to the limitations of the methodologies available to them, the authors were, quote, concerned that there was, in the end, an underestimate of risk to community members. April 1, 2016. Kinder Morgan, the largest energy infrastructure company in North America, suspended construction of a $1 billion pipeline project that would have carried gasoline and diesel fuel across the southeastern United States. Construction was suspended after landowners protested the seizure of their property. A Georgia Superior Court judge upheld a decision denying a certificate that would have allowed the company to use eminent domain, and the state legislature passed legislation to block the property seizure. March 26, 2016 According to a Boston University-led study, fugitive emissions from urban natural gas pipeline systems were the largest anthropogenic source of greenhouse gas methane in the United States and contribute to the risk of explosions in urban environments, with 15% of leaks qualifying as potentially explosive. Quote, All leaks must be addressed, even small-scale leaks, cannot be disregarded as, quote, safely leaking, concluded the report authors. In an interview with Inside Climate News, the lead author said that in addition to weighing the safety risks from gas leaks, 
regulators and utility companies must also consider the climate impact of leaks when determining priorities for repairing and replacing pipes. March 7, 2016 A lawsuit filed against FERC in U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. challenged the agency's relationship with industry, reported Penn Live. Quote, the suit accuses the Commission of Regulatory Capture, a situation in which corporations control regulators. FERC receives all of its funding from the energy companies that it regulates and had never rejected a pipeline plan, which according to the complainant, demonstrates clear bias and corruption. February 26, 2016 Congressman Chris Gibson in response to citizen concerns, sent a letter to FERC regarding the proposed 41,000-horsepower compressor station in southern Rensselaer County, New York, part of the Northeast Energy Direct Pipeline project. He discussed the inadequacy of federal exposure standards with regard to exposures at compressor sites and lack of medical expertise in these decisions. He requested public health expertise on all environmental assessment and environmental impact statement teams, an independent panel to review the federal exposure standards around compressor stations, and, quote, a transparent and effective review process. His call was supported by other elected officials, as well as public researcher David O. Carpenter, M.D., who has studied compressor station pollutants. January 29, 2016. ATSDR, in collaboration with the EPA Region 3 Air Protection Division, conducted an exposure investigation to evaluate exposures of residents living near the Bridget Natural Gas Compressor Station in Chartier Township, Washington County, Pennsylvania. ATSDR concluded that although exposure to the levels of chemicals detected in the ambient air was not expected to harm the health of the general population, Quote, some sensitive subpopulations, for example asthmatics or elderly, may experience harmful effects from exposures to hydrogen sulfide and PM2.5, and some individuals may also be sensitive to aldehyde exposures, including glutaraldehyde. According to ATSDR, one of the study's limitations was that the sampling, quote, may not have adequately captured uncommon but significant incidents when peak emissions, for example, unscheduled facility incidents, blowdowns, or flaring events, coincide with unfavorable meteorological conditions, for example, air inversion. ATSDR recommendations included reducing exposures to chemicals of concern to protect sensitive populations, continued collection of emissions data for long-term and peak exposures, and air modeling to better understand ambient air quality. December 8, 2015 The Niagara County Legislature, following the recommendations of the Medical Society of the State of New York, called for health impact assessment on natural gas infrastructure, including compressor stations, and co-hosted a conference in Albany on the Medical Society's health findings. A compressor station with twin compressors, part of the 2016 Northern Access Plan, to transfer gas from Pennsylvania to Canada, is proposed for the county. November 9, 2015 Following the 2010 heavy oil spill in Michigan's Kalamazoo River, 
Congress ordered an audit that spotlighted the industry's poor record of spotting leaks. Politico reported on the 2015 regulatory structure ultimately unveiled in response, determining the proposal, quote, fails to patch that hole in the nation's pipeline safety net. While the agency's proposed rule expands the number of pipelines that must have a leak detection system in place, it sets no basic standard for how well that technology should work. Instead, safety advocates say, it lets pipeline operators decide for themselves whether they are adequately prepared. October 16, 2015. The EPA urged FERC to consider, quote, whether the Northeast Energy Direct Pipeline could be combined with other projects rather than constructing a new system that would have a host of environmental impacts, reported Oneonta New York's Daily Star. The EPA also advised, quote, that the gas demand addressed by NED's application could be met by renewable forms of energy such as solar and wind power. Note, Kinder Morgan withdrew its NED pipeline application in April 2016. September 17, 2015. At a shale gas conference, industry representatives espoused the construction of new pipelines as necessary to reinvigorate the gas industry in the Marcellus. Speakers noted that FERC approval can be expected to now take longer by about six months, blaming environmental groups for the delays. September 9, 2015. New pipelines are failing at a rate on par with gas transmission lines installed before the 1940s, according to an analysis of federal data by the Pipeline Safety Trust, reported by S&P Global Market Intelligence. Quote, The gas transmission lines installed in the 2010s had an annual average incident rate of 6.64 per 10,000 miles over the time frame considered, even exceeding that of the pre-1940s pipes. Those installed prior to 1940 or at unknown dates had an incident rate of 6.08 per 10,000 miles. The director of the National Transportation Safety Board's Office of Railroad Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Investigations, quote, agreed that the rapid construction of pipelines in the U.S. is likely a contributing factor. August 18, 2015. Houston Advanced Research Center, HARC. Scientists addressed the commonly acknowledged sources of uncertainty which are the lack of sustained monitoring of ambient concentrations of pollutants associated with gas mining, poor quantification of their emissions, and an inability to correlate health symptoms with specific emission events. They concluded the quote, more contemporary monitoring and data analysis techniques should take place of older methods to better protect the health of nearby residents and maintain the integrity of the surrounding environment. Real-time mobile monitoring microscale modeling and source attribution, and real-time broadcasting of air quality and human health data over the World Wide Web have been demonstrated that they wrote by past current and planned future monitoring studies at the Barnett and Eagle Ford shale regions. Founded as a technology incubator in 1982 by Houston oilman George P. Mitchell, Hark later realigned to focus on sustainable development. August 14, 2015. Hark scientists found that port 
operations involving petrochemicals may significantly increase emissions of air toxics, including peaks of carcinogenic benzene of up to 37 parts per billion. The scientists matched the benzene spikes with pipeline systems. The spikes were at levels much higher than those reported in the EPA's 2011 National Emissions Inventory. The authors recommended the use of updated methods for ambient monitoring. Lead scientist Jay Olager said in a related interview that, quote, government regulators should wake up to the reality of the situation, that their methods of tracking air pollution need to be updated so that the samples are taken in real time and can catch it when toxic vapors of this magnitude are released. July 15, 2015. Rensselaer County lawmakers passed a resolution asking the state of New York to freeze the approval process for the Northeast Energy Direct Pipeline, which would carry fracked gas from Pennsylvania to Boston, until it conducts a comprehensive health impact assessment for natural gas pipelines. July 8, 2015. Researchers from West Virginia University completed leak and loss audits for methane emissions at three natural gas compressor stations and two natural gas storage facilities. With a leak defined as an unintended release of natural gas due to malfunction of a component and a loss defined as an intended release of natural gas. In terms of frequency, most emissions were leaks, but on a mass basis, losses were the dominant source of methane emissions, 88%. The top loss emitters were engine exhausts, accounting for nearly half, packing vents, and slop tanks. Emissions from compressor blowdowns were not included. A related study by University of Houston team found that emission rates from compressor stations in Texas Barnett Shale were far higher than from well pads. July 7, 2015 Seeking a method to bridge the gap between bottom-up and top-down methods of measuring methane emissions, Purdue University, University of Houston, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, Environmental Defense Fund, and independent researchers surveyed eight high-emitting point sources in the Barnett Shale using an aircraft-based mass-balance approach. Results from four gas processing plants in one compressor station highlighted the importance of addressing methane super emitters and confirmed that self-reports from the Greenhouse Gas Reporting Program underestimated actual emission rates by a factor of 3.8 or higher due to underestimated facility emissions, temporal variability of emissions, and the exclusion of non-reporting facility emissions. July 7, 2015. Using relatively easy to acquire and inexpensive stable isotopic and alkaline ratio tracers, researchers are now able to distinguish methane arising from natural gas production and transport from agricultural and urban methane sources, and in addition, to distinguish between methane released from shale gas as opposed to conventional wells. Initial research from the University of Cincinnati, University of California at Irvine, and the Environmental Defense Fund 
found that methane in the Barnett Shale hydraulic fracturing region of near Fort Worth, Texas, represents a complex mixture of these sources. This new approach used for ground-level measurements can complement and extend top-down approaches, allowing for more accurate inventories of thermogenic and biogenic sources of methane emissions. July 1, 2015 In New York State, Schoharie County supervisors and medical professionals demanded comprehensive health impact statements as a precondition for permitting natural gas pipelines and compressor stations. June 12, 2015 The Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry investigated the health effects of ruptured gas pipelines in an analysis of data in a database on acute petroleum-related releases, to which seven states contribute. Louisiana, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Tennessee, Utah, and Wisconsin. From 2010 to 2012, there were 1,369 such incidents, which resulted in 259 injuries. More than three-quarters of these incidents were related to natural gas distribution. Equipment failure accounted for half of all incidents. Human error accounted for 40%. The report noted the continuing occurrence of petroleum release incidents, including from natural gas pipeline ruptures, which have, quote, the potential to cause mass casualties and environmental contamination. June 9, 2015. The American Medical Association, AMA, adopted a resolution, quote, protecting public health from natural gas infrastructure that was based on a resolution adopted by the Medical Society of the State of New York. The resolution states, quote, Our AMA recognizes the potential impact on human health associated with natural gas infrastructure and supports legislation that would require a comprehensive health impact assessment regarding the health risks that may be associated with natural gas pipelines. May 2, 2015 The Medical Society of the State of New York adopted a resolution, quote, protecting public health from natural gas infrastructure that recognizes the potential impact to human health and the environment of natural gas pipelines and calls for a governmental assessment of these risks. March 3, 2015 Researchers with the Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project measured ambient levels of particulate and volatile air pollutants from fracking-related operations and calculated expected human exposures in Washington County, Pennsylvania. Extremely high exposures peaked at night when air was still. These fluctuating exposure events mimic in frequency and intensity the episodic nature of health complaints among residents. Over a one-year period, compressor stations were responsible for more extreme exposure events, 118, than well pads or gas processing plants. February 24, 2015 As part of a literature review on the health impacts of compressor stations, the Southwest Pennsylvania Environmental Health Project reported that peak emissions of fine particles tended to occur during construction time, that day-to-day emissions during operational time can fluctuate greatly, and that a compressor blowdown typically represented the single largest emission event during operations. 
Hence, documentation of these fluctuations cannot be captured by calculating yearly averages. A blowdown is an intentional or accidental release of gas through the blowdown valve that creates a 30 to 60 meter high gas plume. Blowdowns which are used to release pressure can last as long as three hours. The authors noted that blowdowns result in periods of high levels of volatile organic compound releases and that anecdotal accounts associate blowdowns with burning eyes and throat, skin irritation, and headache. There is neither a national or state inventory of compressor station accidents, nor a body of peer-reviewed research on the public health impacts of compressor stations. February 17, 2015 A Boston study found that emissions from residential end-use natural gas infrastructure was a significant source of atmospheric methane, two to three times larger than previously presumed, and accounted for 60 to 100% of methane, depending on the season. Of all the natural gas in the downstream component of the natural gas system, 2.7% was lost to the atmosphere. February 10, 2015. A team of engineers from Pennsylvania and Colorado examined methane emissions from natural gas compressor stations and found that vents, valves, engine exhaust, and equipment leaks were also major emission sources. There was considerable variation in emissions among the 45 compressor stations measured. Surprisingly, substantial emissions were found even when compressors were not operating. December 27, 2014 A Pittsburgh Tribune Review investigation found that the vast majority of natural gas gathering lines, pipelines that take natural gas from rural well pads to processing plants, were regulated by neither federal nor state pipeline safety laws. The United States has nearly 230,000 miles of natural gas gathering lines that are unregulated, operating without safety standards or inspection. These pipelines are among the largest and highest pressure pipes in use and carry gas at nearly three times the pressure of transmission lines, which transport the gas from the processing plants to urban distribution networks. November 11, 2014 An analysis by a Carnegie Mellon University research team of 40,000 pipeline accidents from 1968 to 2009, found that comparatively few accidents accounted for a large share of total property damage, whereas a large share of fatalities and injuries were caused by numerous small-scale accidents. There are 2.4 million miles of natural gas pipeline in the United States and 175,000 miles of hazardous liquid pipeline, which includes crude oil. October 30, 2014. A research team led by David O. Carpenter at University at Albany found high levels of formaldehyde near 14 compressor stations in three states, in Arkansas, Pennsylvania, and Wyoming. Formaldehyde levels near compressor stations exceeded health-based risk levels. The authors noted that compressor stations can produce formaldehyde through at least two routes. It is created as an incomplete combustion byproduct from the gas-fired engines used in compressor stations. It is also created when fugitive methane, 
which escapes from compressor stations, is chemically converted in the presence of sunlight. Formaldehyde is a known human carcinogen. Other hazardous air pollutants detected near compressor stations in this study were benzene and hexane. One air sample collected near a compressor station in Arkansas con contained 17 different volatile compounds. October 15, 2014 In comments to FERC, New York's Madison County Health Department reviewed the literature on compressor station emissions and expressed concerns about associated health impacts, including documented correlations between health problems and residential proximity to compressor stations. It also reviewed health outcomes associated with exposures to chemicals known to be released from compressor stations, including VOCs, carbonyls, and aldehydes, aromatics and particulate matter. In addition, gas from fracking operations transit transiting through compressor stations may carry gaseous radon. The health department noted a troubling lack of information on the intensity, frequency, and duration of emissions peaks that occur during the blowdowns and large venting episodes that are a normal part of compressor operations. September 16, 2014 Noting the proximity of a proposed high-pressure pipeline to Indian Point Nuclear Facility, as well as the evidence linking compressor station emissions to negative health impacts, New York's Rockland County Legislature adopted a resolution calling for a comprehensive health impact assessment in regards to Spectra Energy's planned Algonquin Incremental Market AIM, natural gas pipeline, compressor, and metering stations expansion project. This resolution follows on the heels of similar resolutions expressing health concerns about the AIM project from both Westchester and Putnam County legislatures. January 24, 2013 A report prepared for the Clean Air Council by an independent consulting firm to evaluate air quality impacts from the Bartow Compressor Station in Penn Township, Lycoming County, Pennsylvania, predicted, quote, large exceedances of the nitrogen dioxide one hour NAAQS. Researchers used allowable emissions in the Pennsylvania DEP permit, the 2006 to 2010 meteorological data, and the latest EPA modeling guidance for the model's prediction. Three techniques were used, and for two of the techniques, NAAQS exceedances occurred within a mile of the plant. The report concluded, quote, NO2 impacts from the Bardo plant alone are very significant since its emissions cause large exceedances of the one-hour NAAQS. July 13, 2011 a Fort Worth air quality study assessed the impact of drilling and fracking operations and ancillary infrastructure on concentrations of toxic air pollutants in the city of Fort Worth, Texas. The study found that compressor stations were a significant source of fracking-related air pollution. The compressor, compressor engines were responsible for over 99% of the hazardous air pollutants emitted from compressor stations, of which 67% was formaldehyde. And that will wrap up this episode's reading from the compendium. 
In our next reading, we'll pick up on page 286 with gas storage. Remember, you can check out all the back episodes of Frack You Very Much at frackyouverymuch.com. You can also listen to this podcast and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at movingtrainradio.com. Here's the song Gas Man by the Burns Sisters. Thanks for listening. Gas man plays a stacked hand. He's no friend of mine. He wants to cut down the big oaks. Ash and the pine. And he'll sicken. With his chemical brine And he'll lie to get you To sign on the line Gas man's got a big plan Says money's gonna flow But gas man's got some secrets He doesn't want you gonna push back your topsoil and crops cannot grow and your cornfields will be backhoes row by row is it the Taking cash 
Whole world's gone. 